When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pod save the king! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the King. Been a busy week in Royal Land and I am your host, Anne Griffith. I am joined by... Daily Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers, semi-fresh from crunching the royal sums because the accounts have been out this week, which we'll be talking about later in the show. Have you recovered from all of the numbers, Russell? I don't know about semi-fresh. I feel like one of those spuds that has been left in the, you know, the fridge drawer that you never go into. A potato. What are you doing keeping your potatoes in the fridge? That's not how it works. Well, you never know what you find in our fridge, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we're, we're never here, so then it, uh, you know it ends up being like a tag team of who's emptying the fridge of uh, of all the produce you've bought the week before. It's terrible. Oh, what's that? You know, for that analogy, I'm pretty pooped by it because there is an awful lot to go through. But I thought there was some there were some interesting stories. There were some funny stories. There were some stories that remain unanswered. So where where shall we start? Where should we start? Well, I would like to start with what temperature do you keep your house at? So twenty two, and for our American cousins, Limey, what is that? It's warm. Oh yeah, you got to. I'm I'm like to be rolling around in shorts and t shirt, even though it's the winter. That's not that's not good for the environment, Russell. Come on, you've got to think about the, think about the polar bears and the dolphins. Yes, but I have. I did when we moved into our house of horrors. That is an absolute uh, <laughs> absolute joke of all falling down. We have insulated this house very very well. well. Done. So, so I'm, I'm but, with King Charles, 19, fine. What? Oh, Plenty. God, no. So that's 66, okay, in uh, in Fahrenheit. Let, what's 70? Yeah, I'm I'll about be, 70. I'm about I 70. Be, uh, I will be using this as, um, as oh, evidence for my husband oh. that 19 is an entirely acceptable temperature. What's a, frug- a frugal king? I mean, I'm not too sure. He'll, uh, he'll well, be I guess he's got all it. the robes that he can put on, can't he? He's got that nice, really? that, that nice jazzy velvet number from the uh, and from the coronation. I thought you were talking about you are talking about your husband there for a minute. <laughs> plus, plus, he's Welsh. I'm not too sure he's going to be well, taking lessons off the king. No, well, indeed. Anyway, so that was one of the bits that came out as part of the the cost savings is turn the thermostat down. I mean, I think mm. to be honest, heating the non-heated rooms to sixteen that feels quite generous. But anyway, oh, I know. Well, I know. Pretty un- big unoccupied rooms. rooms. Yeah, go on. So tell tell us what else. What are your okay. What are your top headlines? Here are my Here are my top takeaways. So, I mean, the top headline figure is a hundred and seven point five million pounds that the royals, uh, the royal finances cost us, and that was a breakdown of once again an eighty six point three million pounds cost to the taxpayer. Um, 
but they have gone overboard. They've sort of overstretched themselves to the point of £20.7 million. So that means they've had to dip into the royal coffers, the savings. And it's not even their own savings. It's the savings that were given to them by the government. And if you don't know what the sovereign grant is, yeah, I mean, we explain could, we it could... for beginners. What's okay, one, let's, I'm going to I'm going to give it to you in summary. One line summary. Well, this is my one line summary. The sovereign grant is money given back to the royal family, which is a percentage of the money earned from the crown estate in order to run the royal family business, as it were. So everything from the travelling, the households, the maintenance on those households. The uh, the dresses that Camilla will be wearing when she goes on her foreign engagements, hosting events or state banquets, so on and so forth. And the Crown Estate is this huge, huge portfolio of sort of land and residences. And uh, gosh, I mean, what, what else is there in the Crown Estate? Wind farms. They've just had a huge, huge windfall of because they own all the seabed around the United Kingdom. So they can put wind farms in there and they have since had a huge, huge windfall. So next year we might be talking about a very different set of circumstances because this this year the accounts have just showed that they earn four hundred million pounds. That was about a hundred and thirty million pounds more than they did last year. And that is all to do with wind energy. And the crown has benefited from that. So a hundred and seven million pounds. Again, like this is only the second time in history it's breached a hundred million pound figure. Last year was another hundred million pounds. A lot has, of this has to do with the £370 million 10-year renovation programme from Buckingham Palace. That is in its seventh year. It is apparently two budget, which I'm not sure I necessarily think it will be by the end of the 10 years because in this meeting cost about of everything has gone up. Well, exactly. The cost of living is actually, you know, affecting the royals as well because the king is not necessarily going room to room turning down the thermostats but it is a sort of sustainability message from the very top making sure they're as sustainable as possible you know talking about greenhouse gases carbon gases all being reduced uh, within the royal household all of the vehicles are ultra low emission zone um, compliant now and so that is the sort of uh, the message that king charles is trying to convey to his uh, to his household but the issue is, of course, there are massive, massive expenses. Everything has gone up. Their utility bills have doubled. All of ours have doubled or tripled, haven't they? We were just talking about how much we're turning the heating down. Well, Charles has said 19 degrees for uh, all the other the used rooms and any vacant room, 16 degrees. And you might well know that the, all the extra um, financial pressures that the royal family was under over the last year, look at the Platinum Jubilee. Well, that came in at about another... 1.6 million pounds and um let me just get this right no the platinum jubilee was another 700,000 pounds on top of the 300,000 pounds now that wasn't just to pull off the platinum jubilee because a lot of that was paid from the government millions and millions of pounds and from you know the bbc and this is just royal household expenses but the queen's funeral which had been you know they've been putting a rainy day fund away was 1.6 million last year and 1.6 million the year before but it's again once you scratch the surface of these accounts what do you get well again you're talking about travel one of the meetings i was in last year when while the prince of wales as he was then known now king charles's most senior aide was telling me or the, the group gathered were um 
the you know the Prince of Wales is allergic to using helicopters. He doesn't like using them. He's very sustainable. He wants to be using you know cars driven on cheese and wine or whatever it is. However, <laughs> it's a bio difficult fuels. conversation. Biofuels, but they are cheese and wine. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> I don't know where you go from there because he is the Prince of Wales or the King, and he's not expected to get the bus to engagements. We're not that ridiculous, but. A million pounds on helicopters is quite a headline figure, isn't it? And when you're totting up the travel, which admittedly wasn't so much. I mean, we are getting used to seeing the royals travelling home and abroad again after COVID years. They haven't really picked up the pace, in my view. You know, with no spring... Well, there wasn't any real spring tour. We were supposed to have France <laughs> and Germany. We Isn't only Russell got Germany. complaining about his trips again? He's not well, alone. it's not even that, because I've got a bad back these days, you know. I'm not sure I could uh, hack a three weeks in Borneo or whatever it is, but <laughs> I do think it's important for brand Britain to fly the flag, not only in the Commonwealth and throughout Europe, but across the world. What do the royal family represent? How can they help brand Britain? I mean, this is a something that the Tory government will uh, talk about quite, quite, um, quite a well, lot. Is, and is that part of it as well, though? Because often when the royals are travelling abroad, it is at the request of the government. The government's been a little bit turbulent over the last 12 well, months. Well, yes, and I would say maybe it's been a bit yeah. difficult to make make plans. But um, And also, there's some big projects that they're doing at home, particularly, I guess, William and Kate, which we'll talk about um, talk about coming up. So maybe there is, and for the king and queen, having to, you know, put your place, put your house in order at home before you, you head off further abroad. But while you were talking, I, I got my calculator out. And I think that the... £107 million pounds equates to £1.59 per person in the UK based on the current population. So that's like £1.59 per person per year. So occasional yeah. extra bank holidays or about two US dollars. So, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not that bad, is it? I mean, you've got, you've got to be a bit of a stick in the mud if you are saying that they ain't worth $2 or £1.59 of your are, money. You know, there's people who would dream of being able to heat on empty rooms to 16 degrees and they can't even heat their own homes to 16 degrees of course but you know you've got to think about the fact that you do have to try and heat somewhere like that or it will just crumble i mean but buckingham palace and and these castles and they they are pretty much falling apart that's why we're spending 370 million pounds now i'm sure the king is going to reopen much more of buckingham palace to get more money in 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 into the coffers because Listen, let, I'm going to tell you what was said yesterday in terms of the king is very, very keen to give back as much as possible of this windfall from not only the wind wind farms, but also any excess money from the Crown Estate should be given to the common good. And this is something that I think we, you know, we can all agree, hopefully, that we have seen him do enough good for society throughout the years. That that is something that um, that seems quite logical for, for for King Charles that he does want to not be seen as one of these uh, extravagant kings. But I do think, in terms of the the, the travelling abroad, I mean, again, with the rudderlessness of the government doesn't help. The the transitional element of the royal family in terms of from him from Prince of Wales to the King and, and Duke of Cambridge to the Prince of Wales and what have you, um, it doesn't help. And again, I think decisions need to be made. Charles and Camilla need to decide where they want to go in conjunction with the Foreign Office. That then hasn't been decided. That then delays the Prince of Wales and Prince of Wales where they're going to as well. So 
Um, again, where where do we where do we go now? I mean, it's um, oh, uh, I mean, one well, of Princess, the things I, I Princess Anne has been travelling. It's been you know, it's lower key and quite purposeful and businessy. She had looks like she had a nice time off at the uh, in Arkham at the equestrian thing. But that's I guess probably as much with her, her equestrian hat on as her royal hat on, really. But well, um, again, yeah. Well, I do one of the things I did notice, which was the news, uh, the Duchy of Cornwall, which has obviously been passed from Charles to William now. They didn't publish a, a sort of full-on um, report, as it were, but there were some headline figures which I picked out. And the Duchy made a million pounds more than it did last year. It's sitting at twenty-four million pounds profit last year, and because of the way it was split in terms of the accession, um, that was then split pretty evenly by Charles and William, about twelve million pounds each, into their bank accounts, and. Um, Interestingly, William decided to give half of his back into the duchy. So the duchies had a bit of a bit of a kickback to uh, to the tune of six million pounds. And I thought that, that was quite interesting because he's William's coming into it. You know, you know, didn't necessarily. I mean, what does what do they need money for? What do they spend money on? Everything's paid for, surely. But well, the royals. I mean, he's not going down Tesco's or Sainsbury's Target, is he? Well, no, it and goes to wait. Well, I mean, Kate goes to Waitrose. It used to be the pitch. It's better. When she go, when she was in Wales, she goes to uh, sort of a, in brackets, normal shop, and everyone sort of loses their mind whenever she's in something called the works or something. Anyway, then they, they, they what money do they need? They, he doesn't need twelve million quid. He doesn't need six million pounds. But anyway, he's given six of it back, and I think that, that is probably a goodwill gesture for his start. Kate oh, might need to go shopping in the sales at McQueen this year rather than um, they'll be down Aldi full fat yep. auction um, and there's a bit of details about the some of the houses including Frogmore Cottage well yes this is sort of the, the, the Windsor residence merry-go-round continues I mean we've had enough of this story and it's not even got started yet because we know that um, Harry and Meghan were essentially evicted for want of a better word by the king to Frogmore that they weren't living in it. I feel a bit sorry for Harry and Meghan. They paid two and a half million quid, two point four million pounds to to do it all up. Now they've had to hand the keys back. And uh, you know, one of the aides yesterday was was not too shy in saying we've we've had a pretty good deal out of this because now it's back to the crown. And whether they do end up renting Frogmore, that is definitely on the agenda. But I can't imagine they're gonna rent it to some hobo like you and me off the street and say, oh, yeah, you can rent that. I mean, it'll probably cost a, a pretty sum, as it were, but it begs the question because are there sort of chess pieces being moved across? If Frogmore is available, Andrew had been asked, we understand, to to uh, to vacate it. He doesn't want to go. Um, he's living with Sarah, the Duchess of York, who we'll come on to later, who is still living with him. But if he doesn't want to go and move into Frogmore, then that still leaves Frogmore, um, you know, vacant. And if the Waleses want to move into Royal Lodge at some stage, well, they're going to have to do that up, and then Andrew will have to move. And ah, I mean, it's just, it's ongoing, isn't it? And William might be wishing he'd hang on to that money he's put back into the Duchy. And he's just like, oh, anyway. <laughs> he might be asking for it back, yeah. Um, so last week we were talking a little bit about Meghan and Harry's Spotify deal ending, but Netflix sounds like that. That, that's been confirmed that one's still very much show on the road. Is that right? Well, it's interesting because it was, a, it was a report in the Telegraph that, and I imagine this has come from one of their friendly PRs and the, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't talk to us, the, the, uh, the, not the non-friendly press, but 
one of their friendly PRs had said, no, that deal is absolutely fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Why should there be? And it it, it sort of said to me that story, that that was a PR trying to get ahead of a story. But what, what do we know at the moment? All we know is that they've been pretty much dumped by Spotify. Spotify have had a huge reckoning about paying um, huge amounts of money. I think it was about a billion pounds in order to get in all these celebs. Not and... just to Megan and Harry. Just to, Not, yeah, yeah. To, to, all, to, all, to all these top, top, top name people spending loads of money when we're all at home listening to podcasts and uh, under under lockdowns. And now the business model hasn't really worked for them. And I think that they are having to make people redundant and try and work out what new strategy they have and then you know, we've covered this last week about the, what was said about Meghan and Harry um, about the uh, Spotify executive what will happen with the Netflix series we haven't seen too much I mean Netflix might say you know we're super happy with them and Archer will say they own the, the record of the fastest watched or most watched debut in history but it's not going to get any better than that one would say right I can't imagine Harry and Meghan are going to do something that uh, is going to make people watch Netflix as much as that debut bombshell series. But listen, we'll see. We'll see, eh? We'll see. Um, so we should absolutely, well, not just should, we want to send our best wishes for a speedy recovery to Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York, as she recovers from her mastectomy. And, um, well, just if the physical thing and also the mental thing of finding out that she had cancer and then, you know, relatively was well, good news that it was such a quick turnaround um, to deal with the whole situation and well done to her sister to say, go have your mammogram, don't put it off, sort it out. And, um, you know, Fergie, I'm listening to her talking about it on the podcast, I can pop out head on and... Mm. I want to, um, you know, she wants to raise awareness and encourage other people to make sure they get checked, whether that's, you know, mammograms or che- getting checked for prostate cancer for the gentleman. And, you know, it's it was quite um, shocking, actually, hearing that her dad back in the day, who when he had cancer, went on the radio telling people to get checked. And his mates rang out and said, the people don't want to hear from you. And it's just like, I think just the, the cold mood music has changed. And actually, every opportunity for somebody to speak out on this stuff is really is really valuable like everybody everybody knows somebody who has you know had some form of cancer probably everybody knows someone who's had breast cancer and probably we all think oh yes I must get it round and remember to check myself and we never quite do because life and every now and then you do need that moment of somebody just saying look this is this is me and this is my situation and take it seriously and look after yourself so Thank you, Fergie, for sharing that and reminding us. Yes, I think that um, not only a shocking story for us to hear and learn of, obviously a shocking diagnosis to her because she had no symptoms. It was only her sister, Sarah, as you say, who sort of told her she must go and have this Jane, checkup. Jane. Jane, sorry, Jane. Is it, would I say Sarah? Sarah's Sarah. the one that she does the podcast with. Yeah. Um, so Jane's told her, you must go to this. And the fact that she had no symptoms, they found a shadow on the on the uh, on the test and the, on the mammogram, and now she'd had a mastectomy. And I, I was speaking to one of her friends very very soon after, literally the day that like, this all came out, and they said, "Listen, undoubtedly, she's already been talking about the fact that she wants to be front and center of a national drive for women fifty to seventy to go and have mammograms." But you know, she's always always thinking about projects she's had 
involvement with the Teenage Cancer Trust and Breast Cancer uh, Charities for for decades, and you and you will totally imagine her coming up with ideas to try and make sure people get checked, be part of this national conversation, and uh, and no better person to do it because people love Fergie. And she's been through an awful lot, and I think everybody's rooting for her. She's recovering well at home now, I understand, and uh, I'm sure everybody will will be thinking positive thoughts in her direction. Yeah, when she was talking about it and sort of briefly saying, I was, I was thinking I might not go and then rearrange it for next week. I was thinking, well, going into London and sort of, I think she must be going private. But no, she was, like she said, she was at NHS, um, being treated under the NHS and giving them big shout outs. So, um, you know, that's. That was also very nice to hear and, um, you know, well done. Well done for going. Well done, Jane. And we wish her a speedy recovery. All the, you know, the highs of uh, just becoming a grandma again and then um, dealing with that. So Well, life comes at you thick and fast. And I think that, that is the lesson of today. That is the lesson. Um, right. What else has been going on? William, we talked about his project a bit last week the sort of for well, the interview around it and the, the detail of his big homelessness project homewards has has come out um i did also enjoy the way he managed to get one of his aston villa presumably heroes involved him being a big aston villa fan so tyron mings england defender um was one of the um was part of the student launch uh PR merry-go-round and raising awareness of it but someone who, who was affected in his childhood and and talking about saying he been through a period of turbulence and instability and they were rehoused in emergency accommodation um it was unstable a struggle and it was unnerving at times and you know he's fortunate he's been very fortunate got a talent gone on to you know become hugely successful um i used to enjoy watching him when i used to go report on Ipswich back in the day i think before he went on to big premier league things but you know the it's interesting seeing who william and kate are getting involved in their projects and they feel very like they somehow feel even more useful now that Charles and Camilla are king and queen. It feels William and Kate, all of the work that they're doing, I think it's partly because they're doing so much video and we're hearing them talking a lot. It feels quite energetic to me yes. at the moment, what they're doing. Yeah, I think we're, so we're seeing them move into a different sphere, aren't we? There is definitely a blueprint that is being put forward in terms of these long-term projects, and they realise that now they are in a in a different sphere. This has all been primed and ready for them to take on the Prince and Princess of Wales roles, which no doubt they will be doing for a decade or more, I would hope. And it's part of that is associating yourself with your causes to really say that these are the things we're going to be doing for the next five years. So... You know, if let's say they have a 10-year plan, well, the first five is to kick on and to really identify what is important to us. And I think they've done that with early years and with homelessness, and you will see bigger projects coming out. It's not just the business of, you know, turning up, cutting the ribbons, going to the fairs, which is all very important in terms of royal life. But these big, big projects, um, which I imagine they have learned from the king. Look at the king. I mean, associating himself with the environmental causes so, so long ago. And if they, you know, they're only 41 years old, and I speak of this as someone who is the same age as them, we're hopefully still very young, all of us. I'm not sure if we, uh, William's got a bad back or even Kate, but listen, they have got an awful lot of uh, road ahead of them. And to, to try and make headway 
in these causes, which might take a generation to fix. I mean, Kate has already spoken about generational problems. I can't for the life of me, for all the will in the world, think that William is going to solve homeless in 5, 10, 15 years. It might take his lifetime, might take a generation. But, you know, God love him for trying because the fact is that all these different charities are spread out. There's 16 CEOs who signed a letter backing him. But it, it, it the problem is there. it's a political aspect as well. It comes down to money, not only willingness, and there's plenty of willingness, and with him on the side of the charities, you know, dangerously perhaps straddling that uh, that um, precipice between royal life and political life. Good luck to him because he's uh, he's going to need it because it's a lofty, lofty ambition. But um, I think a worthy cause obviously is taken on. Any particular details about? Um, I mean, he did a pretty big whirlwind tour. So he's in Lambeth in London, down on the south coast in Bournemouth Christchurch and Poole. Then over to Wales, Newport, went to Northern Ireland, up to Scotland, to Aberdeen, which is like far, far north, and then to Sheffield so in two days. So it was a whistle-stop. Um, and in, so in terms of the actual detail of the plan and the project that's been announced, is there anything, what should we know about it? Well, I see, the problem is with these things, and it's that's why, the, the let's, let's you know, play devil's advocate and the argument is, well, why should we be interested in what's new? Well, he wants to be the sort of glue holding it together to encourage the money men to put their hands in the pockets, you know, local councils, uh, governments, and there probably isn't a lot of money swishing around um, at the moment due to inflation represses, you know, COVID, Brexit, but also trying to link up these different charities. He is a figurehead, isn't he? So he is uh, not only doing that, he's giving £3 million to the Royal Foundation in order to to try and pilot these six projects to try and work out what can be done. What are the main exasperating factors of people? You know, is it drug and alcohol? Is it uh, addictions? Is it mental health? Is it the fact that you literally can't get into a hostel or a, uh, a roof over your head, whether it's just for the night or for the week or, or long term? And he's looking at different pod ideas. It doesn't need to be a flat and a bed seat. Can it just be a pod where there's another, you know, a, a centre where people can pump and have you know not be on the streets and i think it that it is that simple so we are going to see uh a lot being talked a lot talked about this over the years to cut man i think that it will be all become clear as we as we go on and it's based on a, an idea from finland so maybe you should be pitching to the news desk russell you should go to finland and find out well, how well i did think about this actually it's, it's, it's you know it's definitely <laughs> it's on the list Go. Well, my, we might go to Finland. Maybe we'll do a live, a live pod from Finland. That would be that very nice. Work. That'll After seal that. the deal. Long, long summer days so we can uh, we can work for very long hours. All the daylight. Um, Kate was back out. A, a message from Dan Jackson in the gallery. I approve of this. He wants to go to Finland as well. Perfect. Um, do it. So Kate, uh, we saw again on her sort of early years project down in Southampton launching the Hope Street Family Friendly Residential Centre. So that's for... Um, women who've been convicted of low-level crime, but so that they're not separated from their children um, while they're serving. But she left a note. Yeah, it was very sweet. These things get picked up, don't they? But uh, leaving leaving a note saying, I see you and I am with you. Good luck in all that lies ahead. And signed Catherine. And that was quite quite a good ploy to try and get this because it's not common that the the royals do that and sort of show that side of themselves, I suppose. But um, you know, 
it's a it's a way to way to get us talking about it, isn't it? Absolutely, and uh, we actually had a lovely day out the the well, what was the V&A Museum of Child Childhood, and it's now the the Young V&A Museum, which I've, it's one of those ones that I've kind of meant to go to, and it's never quite been convenient, but it does look fabulous, and the kids look like they were having a great time. But I think the thing that has really stood out for me, I mean, I can't remember if it was with you or with one of my other podcast friends that we were talking about, you know, if Kate is not sorting out a tennis lesson with Federer, she's doing it wrong as, uh, you know, patron of Wimbledon. And there she was playing yes. tennis with Roger Federer. And I mean, you say maybe Kate's got back. Kate has definitely not got a bad back looking at that serve. I mean, as Roger said, serve, serve looks good. Um, she was struggling a bit with the straight arm with throwing the balls down based on the uh, what the, the advice from the ball girl who was like, you've got to do it with a straight arm. And um, it was interesting hearing her hearing her talk. And the other thing I thought, you have to wear a very short skirt when you play tennis. And you've got the Princess of Wales in, you know, in a fairly skimpy tennis outfit. I mean, she obviously looks great, but that's essentially as close to a swimsuit as you'll probably ever see her. <laughs> well, she's, she's you know, she's not shy to going to the gym, is she? But uh, yeah, she's very, very good at tennis. You can tell that she's very, very athletic. Again, this was sort of paying tribute to the ball girls and ball girl, ball girls and ball boys of Wimbledon, because Wimbledon is coming up on Monday. Next week, next week, yeah. I always wanted to be a ball girl when I was little. I used to love Wimbledon. And do you know there's someone in our office who was a ball boy at Wimbledon? Really? That's quite cool. Who was that? He was was a ball boy the year that Federer won it for the first time. No. Honey Goldsmith on the pitch desk. No way. And what was he? Was he actually... I don't know how how big a court he got to do, but he definitely was a ball boy at Wimbledon. And uh, yeah. So he's uh, very jealous of that. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, two pictures that I've enjoyed this week. Um, I've enjoyed seeing Sir Grayson Perry receiving his investiture. So British artist, very flamboyant, um, went in his dress, pink, very fabulous pink dress, looking tremendous. And also another very lovely investiture, which I've mentioned, um, Kate Garraway, TV presenter, whose husband Derek was there to see her get it. So he's one of the sort of, um, he suffered he is, terribly with COVID. Yes, yeah, he's the longest. He's the longest suffering patient of COVID in in Britain, isn't he? And uh, he was very, very seriously ill. Had to give up a very successful PR career. And Kate has done. Uh, who is a main presenter on Good Morning Britain has had to look after him, and uh, and it's changed their lives, changed their family's lives. But she's been a, a tremendous ambassador for carers and. Uh, spoken a lot about her experiences uh, dealing with COVID, dealing with somebody who needs round the clock care, and uh, and I think just just well deserved for our Kate. And the other picture that I really liked this week was um, Charles chatting with the people in their robes on his visit to Poundbury. So you go off, you're having a nice day at the spa. The spa manager says, "Oh, the king might turn up. Just pop your head out the window and just see." And then you end up having a chat with him, and it's always that. Every now and then you do, you meant to get ready or you've forgotten like the, someone's coming around to sort something out. So you're answering the door to the plumber in your, uh, in your bath, in your, in your dressing gown. Whoops. Um, but then, yeah, meeting the king. I mean, they look quite happy about the whole situation. It was, uh, it was a fun day out, but yeah, I do think, I think it is interesting that we end up talking about Charles, here he is meeting some people in their bathrobes and it's William and Kate that are doing the big projects now. And that feels like part of that transition I guess but we'll see what comes up I'm sure that won't last I'm sure there will be big things it's just that 
William and Kate are doing something new, and that feels new, I suppose, right? Because it, it, if it, it sounds like that sounds like a, a silly statement, but it feels fresh that they are. Phrases. They feel fresher by doing something new. Does that make sense? Because the king and queen are are just going through, almost going through the motions. They've got to travel around the country. They've got to, you know, show up to the uh, the everything's the first time being the first king, uh, first mm. time the king and queen have gone to uh, whether it's to 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 the opening state, state opening parliament, whether it's up to Scotland, which we're going to see next week, um, whether it is going to be to their charities, whether it's going to be abroad, that is going to be a, a year of first before they can sort of break free of the chains of we are the, the new king and queen. And I sort of feel for them for a bit because whilst William and Kate seem to have the momentum behind them, the king and queen maybe don't, but, you know, feel free to disagree. We'll see. We'll be interested to see what happens over the summer holidays as well, whether things go a bit quiet generally. He's mentioned Scotland to look forward to next week, so that will be exciting. We'll be back. Well, it is. It's a bit more crowning and a bit. It's like a mini coronation, isn't it? So it's uh, it's going to be very, very interesting, I think, to see uh, what goes on in Scotland. That is going to be live on BBC One. I have seen the coverage next Wednesday, the fifth of July, a Scottish service of Thanksgiving and dedication to King Charles III and Queen Camilla are presented with honours of Scotland. You know, you never know. There might be a few wild Scotsmen riding on horses off some fancy oven clubs. You never know. For those who didn't hear the uh, post-coronation uh, discussions with Russell, that was his verdict on the Southern Regalia. Well, pre, in fact, it was pre-coronation. Pretty bang weeks on, though, and Weeks it? and weeks ago, absolutely. Anyway, Russell, it's been a delight to catch up with you as ever. Lovely listeners, thank you for joining us as well. We will be back before you know it, but until next time. Pod save the king!